Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine and sponsored by Steer. In the Oil Patch is where together we learn and explore topics that affect us all in oil and gas, business, and in your community. Every week, our host, Kim Bilotto, along with me, Alvin Bailey, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. Welcome to this week's In the Oil Patch. My name's Alvin Bailey, and I'm normally here with your host, Kim Bellotto, but this week's a little bit different. We've had uh, a devastating hurricane hit the Texas coast, and Kim, you're actually down in Rockport surveying some of the damage to your own home down there, and I wanted to take just a few minutes, and and let's talk about uh, the direct hit that Rockport took. Our friends in Port Aransas have have had a lot of devastation. We'll get into what's going on in Houston here in just a second, but uh, let's talk about Rockport, Kim. What uh, What's going on down there? Well, you know, Alvin, um, first and foremost, um, I think that the, the first thing that I, I hope we can convey is our prayers are with all the people that are being affected in both Rockport, Port Aransas, Corpus Christi. There's a lot of people uh, that have just been devastated by this hurricane, and now, unfortunately, Houston is also being, you know, you know, affected. So our prayers are with everyone. Um, and, uh, I do have some important information I'd like to talk about, but, um, it's, it's just devastated. Uh, you know, Rockport is completely flattened. If you were on the front line, uh, some, some, some restaurants that have been there forever in the boiling pot, uh, Charlotte Plummer restaurant, um, just, they're no longer, uh, operating. If they will reopen, you know, time will tell, but, um, these are, icons for Rockport. Uh, the crab, when you go into uh, Rockport, is gone. is gone. This big blue crab that was up there for forever, you know, it's gone. Um, and of course, they weren't the only uh, little uh, vacation spot that was hard hit. Uh, Port Aransas was hard hit. Um, Portland, um, Bayside, Taft, uh, everyone has been affected. Um, power is out. It's pretty devastating out there. Very little resources. Um, the good thing is, um, you know, President Trump signed immediately uh, a disaster area for those specific areas, and, and we appreciate that. Governor Abbott also jumped in to uh, respond quickly. And because of that, um, as I was heading down there to check on my beach house the day after the storm, so I, I, I was not as brave to weather the storm because we were directly on the water. Our home sits directly on the water. But uh, the next, I think two days later, uh, I, I just needed to get down there and see what was going on. Uh, we could see and we were going up there with convoys of National Guard uh, folks and uh, DPS is out there. Uh, they're doing a great job of making sure that people who live in the area are going in there by ID only. Um, they have curfews, um, you know, after 9 o'clock. You know, you have to have an ID to get back into these areas to, to minimize looting and, and stuff like that. So uh, it seems like a very big disaster is being managed and controlled very well. Uh, FEMA's on it uh, early. Uh, insurance agents are ready. Uh, it's going to take some time to dig out of this, but... It looks like it's managed chaos is the best way of me putting it. Well, and, you know, talk about, you know, the FEMA response and the Texas National Guard is down there. But also, you know, our, our San Antonio grocer, HEB, has deployed I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of, of, of equipment and trucks and food and people. And just their, their disaster response has been just amazing. 
Yes, thank you to them. 18 wheelers have been, you know, lining up, loaded down. And so have a lot of companies that have the bucket trucks for electricity. Um, we saw coming back last night uh, from our hotel, back from our house to our hotel, a convoy of these bucket trucks. And, and that's just a fraction of what will be heading to that area over the next uh, over the next weeks to come. Uh, a friend of mine that that owns a, uh, a, a fishing a, a hotel right on Aransas Bay feels like it's going to be a minimum of two weeks before power is restored. And you know who knows how many years it's going to take to rebuild Rockport Aransas Pass, uh, Port Aransas. You know it, the 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 millions and billions and billions of of dollars that it's going to take to rebuild these communities is is mind-boggling. It is. And I just, you know, there's not a lot of resources. It's a little town, Rockport. Um, and so if you can donate, Red Cross, I know, is accepting donations. Uh, some people are actually uh, loading up vehicles and, and taking them down, even though I'm not sure if they want people going in there or not. But um, check and see. You know, I think Red Cross is one you can donate, and it gets in their blankets, water, um, they're going to need everything, um, and it's good to see that Texans are getting involved, and they want to help, and there's a lot of companies stepping up and helping this uh, community that's just been devastated. So that's just something you don't take for granted. I know our home alone, which is on Copano Bay, endured two hours straight of 120-mile-an-hour winds. It was amazing that our homes on that uh, road lasted that long, and Rockport was worse. So well, and then, this you know, was not a storm to play around with. No, and, and speaking to, to friends that have properties down there, um, in two instances, uh, you know, one one friend of mine has has a home in uh, Bahia Bay, and his home he lost a little bit of his roof, and the the inside of the home got wet enough to to crumble the the sheetrock in the ceiling, and you know, other than some water damage, and in the place is just that's filthy, exactly what happened with us. Um, other than that, there's not a lot of structural damage to his home. But in talking to him, he says, you know, I, I don't understand this because the home right across the canal is gone. It's in the bay. It blew away. It's gone. I think it had two things. You know, it was gust. If you were in the wrong place at the wrong time when the gusts were hitting even higher. And it might have been also the age of the construction, the construction that was built. Um, you know, it, it really does make a difference if it's, you know, structured up to code, wind uh, codes that are now in place and or if it was an old structure that didn't necessarily have that. So Our, our thoughts and our prayers are with the folks in, in the, the Texas Coastal Bend. You know, the, the heart-wrenching part of the whole situation to me is to, to, to see the video that people are posting about the devastation in Rockport and to think that the, the weekend of the eclipse, I was down there and some friends and I had... Uh, you, you mentioned Charlotte Plumbers. We had uh, dinner at Charlotte Plumbers, and the picture that I saw where the roof of Charlotte Plumbers is gone is the exact corner of the restaurant that we sat down and had dinner. So, you know, it's just it, it's heart-wrenching to, to see all these, you know, uh, landmarks in Texas, all these historic landmarks that, like Charlotte Plumbers uh, restaurant, you know, places that have been there for, for years and years. The Crab is another one that The Crab, uh, yes, the Crab is gone. It's gone. He's, he's, he's 
he went back to the ocean, I think. <laughs> also, the the personal yeah the personal property of of the landowners and the businesses and just the the economic impact that it's going to have on that town for the next uh, however many years that it takes to rebuild is just is heart wrenching. The the things that folks have lost now. Sure, a lot of people had insurance, but I'm sure there were a lot of people that have lost everything that had nothing, had no insurance and very little to begin with. And you know my my thoughts and my prayers just go out to those people and you know if you if you can donate to the red cross um i think uh, h-e-b and walmart have stepped up and they're they're sending a lot of supplies down there i don't think that i would uh, load up in a truck and head down there and try to do anything yet i'm sure there's going to be opportunities to uh, hey, to swing most a hammer of the hotels, i wouldn't even do that because most of the hotels a lot of them are still without power and those those hotel rooms are being used by people that are being displaced so please if you do not need to be there don't go it is a a mess right now and that's the last thing that anybody needs is people who don't belong there going in there and you just won't even find a place It'll, i can't even imagine what the price of a hotel would be um there's no resources there there's no water there's no electricity so so rather than a, a 50 dollars tank of fuel to go down there and back uh, you know send the red cross 25 bucks that that's going right. to go a lot further than trying to go down there and get in the way and swing a hammer and you know, there's just or pick up. There's just not much you can do physically at this point, other than uh, than than pray. Exactly. And you know, the other part of it is so the storm has now caused this devastation equally as bad in a different way in Houston. You know, uh, Rockport sustained huge amounts of of uh, wind damage and um, and and uh, surges, wave wave surges, but. Houston is just completely underwater, and um, and it's not going to get any better for them. Um, and we have family, and of course, a lot of our operators and partners out there are completely underwater. It's, it's caused the Doug Conference, which normally would be a huge conference here in San Antonio, for all of the operators and service companies to come and attend. It's been canceled as of today. Um, it's it's devastating what's happening in Houston as well. It is a true shame what's happening here in Texas as far as just looking at the the uh, amount of uh, devastation that's occurring and the natural disasters that are occurring, you know, in some of the largest and most visited places in Texas. Absolutely. You know? Well, Kim, that's going to about, uh, I mean, we're about out of time for this segment. I just, I wanted to visit with you because I knew you were down there and, and you'd seen firsthand some of the devastation that's going on. Uh, but you know what, we've got a, you're going to miss this show because we've got a great guest coming up in the next segment, uh, Carr Ingham. He's, you know, he's the consulting petroleum economist, Kim, for the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. And I'd be willing to bet he's got some real good information to share with us about the oil and gas industry in Texas. Well, I happen to agree with you, Alvin. He is one of the smartest guys that I know. (laughs) And he'll be coming up next. You're listening to In the Oil Patch. My name's Alvin Bailey and been visiting on the phone with Kim Bellotto. She's your normal host, but she's down on the Texas Gulf Coast right now surveying some damage. And uh, Kim, be safe, and we'll see you when you get back to San Antonio. Thank you, Alvin. Take care. And we'll be right back. PISA is the Petroleum Equipment and Services Association who is the unified voice for the energy industry's service, supply, and manufacturing organizations advocating and supporting continued achievements in job creation, technological innovation, and economic stability. PISA provides corporate membership opportunities in two categories, industry and allied. Over the years, a lot of amazing companies have become members of PISA, but don't take my word for it. Click on the directory on their website and see for yourself. In order to become a member of PISA, all you need to do is go to PESA.org, click on the membership tab, and fill out an application. Once again, that's PESA.org. 
Have you heard of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, the largest state association in the country? 87 years strong, serving independents, and it's right here in Texas. Offices in Houston, Austin, and Wichita Falls. Over 3,000 members of all ages like you who are in the oil and gas industry or who have family members and friends who are. Company members range from one employee to large independents. Lobbying, networking events, and saving you money. For a membership tailored just to fit your budget, contact Sandy Simon at sandis at texasalliance.org or call 281-997-7223. That's 281-997-7223. The vision of the Women's Energy Network is to be the premier organization that educates, attracts, retains, and develops professional women working across the value chain. Join today by visiting womensenergynetwork.org slash Houston or call 1-855-390-0650. The Women's Energy Network, empowering women in energy. Welcome back to this week's In the Oil Patch. My name's Alvin Bailey. We've got a very special guest on the line with us today, Carr Ingham. Carr, you're a consulting petroleum economist for the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. Take just a moment, introduce yourself, Carr, and uh, tell us about your expertise in the oil and gas industry. Well, uh, first of all, thanks for having me. And yes, that's exactly what I am. I am uh, I, I'm, I'm an economist of two sorts. I'm a regional metro guy, so I do... Uh, regional metro area economic analysis, mostly around Texas, but a few other places as well. Back in the late 1990s, uh, two or three years after I had established my uh, company, I started doing work in Midland, Odessa. So, well, you know, you can scarcely do that work down there without kind of turning yourself into an oil and gas guy. So I started looking at regional oil and gas activity there and how it compared to the general economy of the Permian Basin in Midland, Odessa. Uh, two or three years after that, we kind of expanded that concept to the broader statewide uh, economy for the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. So I've been working with them as their consulting petroleum economist since about 2002 and, um, uh, and have just spent a lot of time on their behalf uh, and just as a matter of economics and uh, the business that I do looking at energy and oil markets and uh, and the, the nature of those things over this period of time that I've been working with the Alliance. And so, again, two kinds of work, regional oil and gas stuff, uh, pardon me, regional metro stuff and oil and gas economics, and those two things just come together uh, quite neatly in the state of Texas and the various regions of the state. Well, they do. They do really go hand in hand in most parts of Texas right now because we've got such a, a thriving oil and gas industry. Um, the Mid-Year Texas Petro Index, you gave a presentation at an event with the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, I believe, last week. I want to get into what that is, but first, before we really get into the meat and potatoes of, of what we're going to talk about today, I'd like to take just a moment and talk about our friends in Rockport, Port Aransas, Corpus Christi, as well as you know the, the devastation that's occurred there, as well as what's going on in Houston right now with the flooding. Well, yes, we just have to do that. I mean, it's the story of the day. It's the it's turning into the story of the year, um, and we'll see just how what the magnitude of this is when it's all said and done. 
And I'm afraid we won't be able to scope that out for some time. I mean, what we know right now is that a hurricane, a major weather event, and not just the hurricane itself, but the aftermath of that in terms of water, primarily rain falling from the sky along the Texas Gulf Coast, Houston area in particular. Uh, so uh, Rockport and Port Aransas, Corpus area, but Rockport and Port Aransas in particular just get clobbered. Yeah, uh, Rockport, Port Aransas took a direct hit from the, from the a storm. A direct hit, that's absolutely right. So I think most people know that um, that not only the state of Texas, but a great portion of the nation's energy complex uh, runs up and down that coastline. Corpus is a huge port. Uh, there are refineries and processing facilities. There are pipelines and movements of crude oil in and out of the region. Houston, of course, serves really as the global hub for the oil and gas business, and nobody but nobody is at work right now because of that. And a, a great many of the refineries are shut down. Um, and so there's going to be, already has been, some measure of disruption in energy markets. I hope it's fairly short term. Uh, mostly, of course, beyond that, I hope people's lives get back to normal fairly quickly down there. So I think we can all look at this from a, from a humanitarian standpoint. But there's certainly an economic outcome here, too, and just the fact that uh, so many of the nation's energy resources uh, in terms of producing uh, crude oil and natural gas, in terms of processing that into refined products and moving it from there on into the national marketplace, are headquartered and centered up and down that coastline where this is happening right now, are certainly going to be an energy economic impact as well. Now, is this going to be a bump in the road for for exporting uh, natural gas, exporting oil from that region? I think so. Uh, we can look back at some similar events that have occurred in the past uh, and in our most recent history, of course, uh, hurricanes uh, Katrina and Rita that hit the uh, Gulf Coast in different locations, but also kind of clobbering uh, on a temporary basis um, uh, of these same areas where uh, these energy-related facilities are. Uh, that was a little bit different uh, in that it had more, had probably did more to cripple some of the upstream impacts, that is, the, uh, the production of crude oil and natural gas, which is to say those events sent crude oil prices spiking. This so far has had the impact of pushing crude oil prices down but spiking gasoline prices um, or causing them to move upward. And uh, but we've seen we've seen effects of hurricanes hitting uh, that uh, that Gulf Coast energy complex before. And uh, while the overall outcome was catastrophic and long lasting, it was a relatively short lived impact to the energy markets. And I hope that we're uh, that we will be witnessing uh, this in a, a, a in a temporary fashion as well. Car, about a minute left in this segment, uh, and and real quick, uh, what do you think it takes in terms of time and money to uh, to put these South Texas uh, coastal bend towns back together? Well, uh, uh, just the towns themselves. My goodness, I, I've all I've been able to do at this point is probably what most people have been able to do, and that is to see this damage as it's related on television. Uh, I, I, I live in the great northern Texas city of Amarillo, which is tornado country, and, uh, you know, that those towns, uh, Rockport in particular, looks like a tornado came through there. Uh, the devastation is that severe, and so 
so who knows? Uh, I think it's you know as you and I both know, it's very early in the game right now. I I don't uh, I don't think we understand the full magnitude of this yet. You can see personal property that got clobbered, but there's infrastructure as well. And uh, so I, I, the price tag is going to be big, and we don't have the slightest idea what it may end up being at this point. Now, friends, friends of mine that live down there and who've, who've lost everything are, are thinking that uh, they won't have they won't have power for two weeks. So it's uh, it's going to be a very slow process. I think the the best thing we can do for our our friends down south right now is you know say a little prayer at night and uh, offer our support. Um, that's going to about do it for this segment, Carr. Um, when we get back in the next segment, let's get into the mid-year Texas Petro Index. There's some really exciting information in there that that you're going to share with us, and we'll be right back with more in the oil patch. Young Women Energized is a free one-night annual event on October 10th for high school girls to learn more about energy and STEM careers and prepare for college. We have programs designed specifically for freshmen, sophomores, junior, seniors, parents, counselors, and educators. We have hands-on exhibits, mentoring tables from companies like BP, Baker Hughes, GE, Chenier, and many more. Registration will be live August 25th, and we are currently accepting Women's Energy Network college scholarship applications through September 25th. Feel free to contact us at H-O-U-Y-W-E at womensenergynetwork.org, or you can find more details at womensenergynetwork.org forward slash Houston and community initiatives. You can follow YWE directly at YWE Houston on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat. For more information, go to shellmag.com and click on the Women's Energy Network banner ad. Welcome back to this week's In the Oil Patch. My name's Alvin Bailey. I'm here uh, running solo today. Kim is actually down in the Rockport area surveying some some potential damage on her home in Rockport after Hurricane Harvey has devastated the uh, Texas Gulf Coast. So I'll be with you today. Uh, we may try to catch up with Kim a little later in the show. Um, my guest on the phone today, Carr Ingham. And uh, Carr, you're a consulting petroleum e- economist for the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. And last segment, we talked a little bit about the uh, the mid-year Texas Petro Index. And I want to get into that but first, I want to read the headline that uh, the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers put out. It says, Texas oil producers are driving world oil markets, leaving OPEC confounded. Let's talk about that. Well, I think this is just an extraordinary story. Um, it wasn't all that long ago, you may recall, um, in relatively recent history, that our general sense was that uh, OPEC and other sizable oil producers, but OPEC in particular as a as an organization, this group of countries that banded together and manipulate markets, frankly, and that we were all at their uh, all at their mercy. Um, I, I, I'm not sure it was always quite as severe as that, but that was the general uh, thought process for the average American and a great many oil and gas guys in terms of their thoughts about OPEC. Uh, that they were managing markets to their own benefit, yanking the rest of us around. That they and, be, and beyond that, yet they could do what they wanted to, and there was a blame little we could do about it. Well, uh, again, I'm not sure that's exactly um, how what, what their mindset was all of that time. I think they were just more economically motivated, as most of us are. But most of us don't have the luxury of banding together and trying to produce some particular market outcome to our advantage and to somebody else's disadvantage, consumers in particular. So uh, so this last 15 years or so and the last five years in particular have really changed that story extraordinarily. 
and what changed that story was uh, shale production in the United States, purely and simply a new way to produce crude oil and natural gas, frankly, and bring it to the surface, uh, move it into the marketplace for our benefit and our purposes and all the things that we use energy for. So you probably know as well as I do, the, 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 the nature of crude oil production in the United States, uh, frankly, since about 1972, was decline year in and year out. That's all crude oil did was go down. There were a few modest exceptions to that along the way, but mostly higher crude oil prices meant that the volume of crude oil production only went down at a slower rate, but it still went down. Well, things got so bad for a while. There's a whole generation of of American men that don't work in the oil industry that are around my age from, from 40 to 50. The 1980s really discouraged people from working in that industry. Well, sure, the 1980s was just uh, uh, not only a bust to the industry, and it took the Texas economy down with it at that time. We were much more connected directly to the oil and gas business then than we are now, and we're still pretty vitally connected now. But but that really tanked the entire broad Texas economy when that event occurred back then. And you're right, it sent a lot of people scurrying from uh, from the business. But um, we've had again a few uh, a, 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 a few points of recovery along the way, but it really wasn't until the decade of the 2000s that we began to turn this situation around. The beginning point of all of this, believe it or not, was this period between 2002 and 2008 when crude oil prices went from, you know, let's say 20 something bucks a barrel up to well in excess of 100 bucks a barrel and at times spiking up to 130 140 daily prices sniffing 150 bucks a barrel in mid 2008 that was really the onset of the production explosion that came uh, a, a year or two later between 2010 and 2015 uh, and 14 frankly we added about 4 million barrels a day just in the United States alone, and a great lot of that came from Texas, driven by Texas. So you tell me, and I say this with great pride, who the chief offender was in terms of raising global crude oil supplies and production and tanking prices. It was us, but that meant we had OPEC in the, uh, at our mercy at that time. Now, this caused a lot of difficulty to Texas companies as well, uh, but OPEC has not yet figured out how to deal with Texas in the United States when it comes to crude oil production. Well, we've, we've surpassed the, the Saudis as being the swing producer and moved into a position where the Texas oil industry really, I think what you're saying is, controls the, uh, the, the prices and the production on the world market. Well, OPEC, again, is trying to figure out how to deal with us. They waited as long as they could, finally put this production agreement into place, which then raised prices, which meant we started to go back, drill more wells, produce more again, which literally just backed them into a corner. And frankly, I guarantee they don't know what to do right now. And that's that's a good problem for OPEC to have, I believe. We're just about out of time in this segment. Uh, uh, Carr, coming up in the next segment, let's let's really get into the Texas mid-year, the Petro Index, and, and what some of these numbers mean, because frankly, most of them are, are going right over my head, but I believe you can explain them to where even a guy like me can understand. Uh, you're listening to In the Oil Patch. My name's Alvin Bailey, riding solo today. Kim's down in Rockport checking on some storm damage at her home, and uh, we'll be right back. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. 
email us info at shalemag.com. Welcome back to In the Oil Patch. My name is Alvin Bailey here on the phone today with uh, Carr Ingham. And Carr, you're, again, you're a consulting petroleum economist for the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. And we want to get into the meat and bones of this, uh, the meat and potatoes of this uh, mid-year Texas petroleum index. And uh, Carr, what, what is the mid-year index? Well, the Texas Petro Index is just a kind of a measuring tool that I put together back in 2002 for the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. So it's for the benefit of the association and staff membership uh, in support of the governmental relations efforts and, frankly, just kind of public education. But the Texas Petro Index is, is simply a tracking device and a measuring device for the upstream, which is to say the exploration production economy of Texas, oil and gas uh, exploration production economy of Texas. So there are just a number of statewide metrics, a number of statewide numbers that have relevance in terms of oil and gas exploration and production. If you were going to fashion such an index, you'd probably kind of pick the same set of numbers. So the components of this Texas Petro Index are crude oil and natural gas prices that are paid to producers. Uh, the statewide working rate count, the number of drilling permits issued by the state of Texas, the number of oil and gas well completions recorded by the state of Texas, the estimated volume and value of Texas crude oil and natural gas production, and last but certainly not least, the number of people that are estimated to be on the payrolls, the number of employees, employment, oil, oil and gas employment in Texas on the upstream side, exploration production. So take all of these things put this broad set of numbers into this model that I created and spit out this monthly index number on the other end. And so that's what the Texas Petro Index is. It dates back to January of 1995 as its starting point. And its purpose is to just measure growth rates and cycles, business cycles, ups and downs and turning points in the Texas oil and gas E&P economy. And so uh, I maintain that monthly for the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, and twice a year uh, we go to Houston and present the findings, just an update to uh, to uh, a small but elite media bunch down there. So this would be some of the general press, the oil and gas trade press, the Houston Chronicle, and some other uh, energy uh, information outlets there. Love to have you all in that meeting, by the way. Um, and so this is what occurred last week at the Petroleum Club in downtown Houston. This was just a presenting of the findings as of about mid-year 2017. Well, and, and looking at uh, 16 versus 17, July of 16 versus 17, we're up this year 25.1% in, in oil price alone. Well, that's right. So uh, the the index itself, I mean, you can look, uh, of course, at crude oil prices. You can look at these individual sets of numbers. The problem with all of those is that they kind of change at different times. Crude oil prices actually bottomed out uh, in at their low point in this last cycle of contraction in February of 2016 and then began to recover. It wasn't until several months later that the rig count bottomed out. Uh, and it was a little bit after that that the number of drilling permits turned around. It was much later in the year when the industry employment hit bottom and began to grow again. And, of course, uh, uh, crude oil production was still higher in 2015 compared to 2014. So all of these have different turning points, and that's kind of the value of the index is to uh, is to turn all of those numbers into one number that, uh, that pinpoints those turning points. So 
on average certainly have a set of numbers that looks much better in 2017 than in 2016 and frankly this is 2017 is a year is now and will be a year of recovery in the oil and gas business in texas after uh, really two two solid years of just a punishing contraction where prices went down by about 80%. The rig count went down by three-fourths, uh, and we lost over 100,000 people uh, in terms of employment in the oil patch. So uh, so the index itself actually bottomed out uh, in November of 2016. We've seen eight straight months of increase since then. So we had happy news to report last week again for the first time in about three years. Well, and looking at at the uh, the monthly rig count year over year, we're we're double. We're 464 in July of 17 versus a, a year before that at only 206. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. And frankly, uh, at its low point, that number was even worse than that. That 206 was in July of 2016. But the the low point, the weekly low point, and these are monthly averages that you're looking at. But the weekly low point was 173 in May, uh, the latter part of May 2016. And that was off a high of about 906 in uh, late November 2014. So that was just a dramatic decline. Uh, but we've added literally hundreds of those rigs back at this point in time and all the good things that come along with that, economic impact, employment, uh, purchasing of other goods and services throughout the supply chain. So, again, this is this is, uh, this is is a better year, and it's the one we were looking for. Well, and the economic impact not only, you know, obviously benefits those working in the oil and gas industry and the, the oil and gas producers and the drilling companies and the service companies, but the economic impact touches every aspect of the region that that work's going on in because people are eating at the restaurants, they're staying at the hotels, they're buying the the groceries and fuel and electrics, you know, and municipal services from from that local region. So that, you know, the, the oil and gas industry touches every piece of the economy in the area that it's working in, and, and so many people don't understand that. No, frankly, uh, not only regionally around Texas, but even the state as a whole. This state and its economy are much more diversified now than they were in the 1980s, but still, this is a state where relatively higher crude oil prices and natural gas prices bring about a net economic positive. In other words, the benefits on the economic side of the equation outweigh the negatives of higher uh, consumer prices, for example. And so... Uh, uh, so that that remains the case statewide as well, not just in the regions of Texas. And of course, it's much more concentrated in some of those regions, depending on on the level of oil and gas activity there. Well, Carr Ingham, we're just about out of time for this segment. Uh, we've got one more segment left, and we'll wrap up the uh, Texas Petro Index. This, this is a great program you put together, a great spreadsheet, a great way to track what's going on in the state of Texas. And one of the questions I'll have for you is. Uh, do you provide this information for any other states or are any other states kind of following your lead here? But we'll ask that on the flip side. You're listening to In the Oil Patch. My name is Alvin Bailey, visiting today with Carr Ingham. He is the consulting petroleum economist for the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, and we'll be right back. You know, great companies take great care of their employees. Ensure the well-being of your workforce with Baptist Healthy Solutions, your answer to convenient and affordable health care that comes to you. Our mobile health unit delivers on-site, state-of-the-art, comprehensive care that keeps your employees healthy from the day they're hired till the day they retire. 
From pre-employment screenings to routine immunizations to on-site injury care and more, trust Baptist Healthy Solutions with your workforce health care needs. Health care that comes to you. Call 866-334-2485. Again, that's 1-866-334-2485. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us to get the right part right now. Here's the number, so write it down. Oilfield experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210-471-1923. Any business can benefit from advertising to the oil and gas industry, but it's really important to partner with a marketing company that has a proven track record with this growing industry. Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shalemag.com. Again, that's info at shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G, dot com. Or you can call us, 210-240-7188. And welcome back to In the Oil Patch. My name's Alvin Bailey, visiting today with Carr Ingham. You're the, Carr, you're the consulting petroleum economist for the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. We spent the last uh, couple of segments talking about your Texas Petro Index uh, that you you actually uh, gave this presentation to an event for the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers in Houston last week. This this is I mean there's some great information in here and one question that I would have for you, Carr, is one do you provide this type of information for any of the other oil producing states in Texas and if not, have they kind of followed your lead to come up with with similar programs? Uh, if you have, uh, this is a piece of work that. Uh, uh, that the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers uh, brought into existence. So it's really uh, their forethought that kind of led to this project. And uh, it has been duplicated in Oklahoma. Uh, in fact, I started that program there for the Oklahoma Independent Petroleum Association. I think somebody else there maintains that uh, separately now, but it's the same deal. Um, and uh, and what we have been talking about with the alliance, frankly, is moving, uh, is expanding that. I say expanding. We're going to continue to maintain the Texas Petro Index. But there's a lot of value, frankly, now in establishing a U.S. Uh, oil and gas activity index, whatever it may be called. And so uh, I think our next move is going to be to establish a U.S. national version of that, um, just because I think that would be uh, information of extraordinary value. I mean, there's been so much attention uh, given to the fact that we've turned this oil and gas situation around nationally in the U.S., what all the implications of that are to the consumer economy, to the to the uh, general economy, production regions around the country. All of the things that apply to the Texas Petro Index also would apply to a U.S. energy index or whatever we may choose to call it. So I think that's where we're headed next. Well, what is the health of the Texas oil and gas industry versus the health of, of the same industry in, say, the Dakotas of the Northeast or, or Oklahoma? Well, I, I th- probably better at this point. Uh, you know, we've the, the, uh, the what has occurred around the country over the last ten or fifteen years has just been an extraordinary set of circumstances. Um, and the, the Bakken in North Dakota, um, other places around the country, um, uh, this a- activity and the and the and the production of crude oil has just exploded. And uh, so that uh, that went from you know there was oil and gas activity in North Dakota, no doubt about it. But when you add this Bakken shale activity and other things uh, regionally up that direction, 
uh, again, it just exploded there. It exploded their overall statewide economy uh, and did some things that it did in Texas, which is stress out some infrastructure and stuff. But uh, um, but I, I frankly, I think we've recovered uh, uh, post-price contraction, post-industry contraction, probably a little bit better than most of the other states. I'm- well, post-contraction, uh, a follow-up question to that. What, what does Texas, the industry in Texas, really need to do in order to take advantage of the export ban being lifted, to take advantage of these great ports that we've got available in Texas, and to really maximize our opportunities with with such, you know, an oil and gas rich state having access to export that product, what what do we need to do to take advantage of that? Well, we are doing it. Uh, What we need to do is, uh, and I say we, I mean, we, we we kind of use that terminology like there's a collective we that can uh, you know sort of in central fashion begin to implement these decisions, and in fact that's really not how that works. Now, what centralized entities, which is to say governments of one sort or another, can do is to grease the skids, make the process easier while uh, uh, still making sure we're environmentally protected and such. But they can mostly get out of the way and let private industry do what it's going to do, and that is exactly what is occurring. Uh, Crude oil purchasing companies of one sort or another are indeed purchasing crude oil that is produced in the state of Texas and selling it overseas. Uh, They're doing it a load at a time um, or a batch at a time or what have you, and so so that's, uh, that's job number one was to lift that export ban and just let companies start doing what they would do anyway, and that's trade their resources. Again, all we needed for the national government to do was lift that export ban and get out of the way. Make it easier for business to do business. Uh, with that's the, right. With about a minute left in this final segment, Carr, um, what's the outlook for the future of the industry in Texas? Well, uh, the outlook long term is good. I mean, you know, that we're going to continue to be a petroleum economy for a long time to come on a global basis, and we'll see what. Uh, what uh, alternative sources do to us. But I think, generally speaking, the outlook is good for the long term. So the short term, what are we looking at? Well, crude oil prices, again, are much better now than they were at the low point in 2016. However, we must acknowledge uh, crude oil prices doubled from that February low point in a two- or three-month period of time, and they have done – virtually nothing since then. Crude oil prices today are not higher than they were a year ago. Natural gas prices are not good in terms of stimulating new E&P activity in Texas. The industry is better than it was, but absent, and it's a a lot better than it was, but absent uh, some stimulative upward move in price. Well, that's going to just about wrap up this segment. Uh, Carr Ingham, uh, does the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers have a uh, website or some contact info where if somebody wants some more information about the uh, Texas Petro Index, how can they get in touch with you guys? Sure. The Texas Petro Index is on the Alliance website, and it's texasalliance.org. And uh, my contact information, I think, is there. And if it's not, well, they can direct you to me. But uh, texasalliance.org, you can find the Petro Index there and other information about the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. That's the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, texasalliance.org. Look it up. This is a this is some great information here. Carr Ingham, thank you so much for joining us today. And, uh, and we certainly do hope to have you back on the air with us again. Carr Ingham, thank you so much. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. Again, Carr Ingham, Consulting Petroleum Economist for the Texas Alliance of 
Energy Producers. Thank you so much again for joining us today. Some great information you've got for us. And, and Carr, congratulations because you get to be the topic of today's trivia question. I wish I had Kim here to do the, the trivia drum roll, but we don't. But here's what the, um, here's what the trivia question is going to be. All you have to do to win it is to be the first correct email to radio at shalemag.com. Again, that's radio at shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G dot com with the correct answer, of course, and you'll win yourself a $100 gift certificate to the Brazilian Steakhouse, Fogo de Chow. Some great grub and uh, some great folks over at Fogo de Chow. So be the first correct email to radio at shalemag.com to this question. Carr Ingham is the consulting petroleum economist for what organization? Again, be the be the correct first correct email to radio at shalemag.com, and you'll win yourself a $100 gift certificate to Fogo de Chow. And that's just about going to wrap the show up. Remember, like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com forward slash in the oil patch radio show. On Twitter, at shalemag. And until next week, as Kim says, adios. In the Oil Patch is where together we learn and explore topics that affect us all in oil and gas, business, and in your community. Every week, our host, Kim Bellotto, along with me, Alvin Bailey, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.